Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. all of the audio yes but i'd rather not use the skype no, audio no no no, no. <laughs> i love the yes the, yes, yes georgia um no it's just in case because i'm using my oldest macbook air uh and uh, <laughs> it's i know this is so bad george georgia is trying to record an episode of anxiety <laughs> videos and she's trying to see how many things she can say to me that will just get me to have a nervous breakdown so that she can then talk me through it on a video. I just pulled out the tape deck recorder. It's like Georgia, here. you know what you should upgrade to? You know what you need to <laughs> upgrade that? to is the Soundwave Transformer from the eighties. Can you get <laughs> one of those? Just plug oh, in no. the Soundwave Transformer, get one of those little cassettes, and that way we will have an even better audio setup today. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, there's people in my house right now. There's people uh, in my house. <laughs> there it, it's coming from in the house. Um, there's people in the house, so I can't podcast because there's families that are uh, – you know, scoping out the house and kind of like saying what they like and don't like about it right oh, now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're yeah. To. And that, and I had session right before this and I session right after this. Anyway, so I'm at work right now. Um, that's your mistake is inviting people to your house. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I mean, is one, is one of them the Babadook? Oh my God. I saw it. I just saw the Babadook. I just watched it because of everyone. I watched it um, three days What'd ago. I really, I found it was a great story. I really liked it quite a lot. I liked that it wasn't a, one of those, like, you know, stereotypical horror films. This one yeah. was really great. I love the way that it, it really spoke to grief. Uh, if you're a Jungian, you know, person, it really talked about the the shadow um, uh, self. And uh, I love the fact at the ending about, you know, her, like, okay, if, don't listen to this if you haven't seen The Babadook. Just listen to The Babadook. Um, I am recording. Um, but I, Are I you loved, sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm not really sure. Um, but I loved at the ending that that they didn't kill him. Yeah. Um, and that I thought was great. And I love that the uh, female director, that they really tried to pressure to have, they said that they have to kill him at the end. And she said no, and, and I totally get why, because grief is kind of always with you. You just learn to manage it. I still don't know the grief. symbolism with the grief. words. This isn't a movie about grief. It's oh, a God. journey of bisexual oh, like, no. awakening. <laughs> that's, that's what, what the Babadook is about. It's like we didn't even watch the same movie, Georgia. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me the um, what was the meaning with the worms in either of the um, theories? <laughs> Even the metaphor, what's the worms? That represented how depressing the club can sometimes be when you're coming out for the first time. <laughs> sometimes you sometimes you end up eating worms. That's, yeah. You have to eat a lot yes. of worms to get a fish. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that, Georgia. Sometimes right. along the bisexual journey, you have to eat worms. That's, yeah, and then you, you catch the your way fish. It goes. I found that to be the case, yes. I, I'm looking forward <laughs> just... to the sequel to The Babadook where he puts his hat on the on one of the worms and then turns into a worm. 
I I have no idea what's happening. No, I mean he captures captures the worm. Oh, oh, sorry. Captures yeah. the worm. No, I'm pretty sure the Babadook possesses people with his hat. Not no, he doesn't capture no, people with his hat. No. Okay, oh, we have to reference. address this okay. follow up. We, we 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 have we have important follow up that we need to get out of the way before we start the episode. Uh. Nintendo responded to us to this podcast, <laughs> and and Brianna in particular. Explain what happened. Can I you tell me what okay. happened? Yeah, okay. tell me what okay. happened. So, okay, so, okay, yeah. okay. So, like, <laughs> we have okay. concerns. Steve, okay. we'll so, just tell Mario it simultaneously. Week. Okay. So, One, two, okay. Go. <laughs> so, so uh, there's a game coming out, Super Mario Odyssey, and in the game, in the trailer for the game, Super Mario, or just Mario, as normal people call him, um, <laughs> throws his hat on people. And takes over their body, controlling them and using them as an instrument to accomplish Mario violence. So this is basically Jessica Jones. It's Jessica Jones, Kilgore, but Mario. And a lot of other people have noticed, like, hey, that's kind of creepy that Mario's, like, possessing other people's bodies. And Nintendo came out this week. They're like, no, no, no. That is completely factually inaccurate. It is not true that Mario is capturing people's bodies. He doesn't possess anyone. He captures them. Does that make it any better? (laughs) No, that's that's the... The Ghostbusters also capture things, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the same thing. So I, what happens to their soul while they're captured? That's really the question that 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 Mario needs to answer for. Because I feel like these are war crimes. Actually, here's how I feel about this: like a capture. Okay, so for for some people, I'm not I'm not discounting your beliefs in which you know possession is a very real thing. But in in my belief system, possession is not a very real thing, and so. The idea of being possessed in this, you know, otherworldly uh, Mario land is not as bad to me as the the idea of being captured by something and, you know, being brought under its will. That's more terrifying because those things happen in real life, and that's actually very scary. I mean, it doesn't go as far as someone taking their hat and putting it on my head and then they suddenly control me, but, like, capture is not a better verb to use, and that seemed to be what they are trying to say here. It's like, oh, no, 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 no possession happens. It's all about the capture. And it's, it's curious, like, what does that... What what were they trying to solve in wait, in doing that? Wait, Bree, Bree, so yeah. he doesn't he doesn't know about the hat that he's been wearing. <laughs> so all, all I'm saying is that if this was happening in the world of Harry Potter, that would be an unforgivable curse. That's all I'm saying. So you know, Mario, if he can, if he can live with Birdie himself after cute. that, you know. I, I have to I have to back up because like Micah, did you say in your worldview you don't believe in possession? I mean, you've read the Bible. Like that's got a lot of stories about demon possession in it. So I just don't understand that sentence you just said. That that yeah. Uh yeah. So for some people, uh for some Christians, of which I consider myself one uh they believe that many of the stories in the bible are allegorical uh and that the the things that happened in the bible uh especially in the old testament are more stories meant to teach you uh things rather than actual events that took place and it just so happens that uh, i don't yeah I, I don't i don't personally believe uh in possession and especially possession involved 
involving a red-hatted uh, individual who happens to be a plumber and a crime fighter. Well, I believe Mario is real, and I believe Mario exists, and I believe that he will use his hat to bring the Mushroom Kingdom to salvation. That's what I believe. Oh and I Mario need Jesus? You, yeah, I need you to respect my belief system. I think it's like called like Mario Paranormal Activity 3 or something. Wait, what? You say Mario 2? Hey, yeah, wait. That, that, that's, no. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Yes, we, <laughs> no. Have, we have a quarter. Cut her mic. Cut her mic. Yeah. Bye. Let's, Let's bring back Georgia. Georgia from last week. All right. M- Micah, all I'm going to say is that you know who else wears red and, and possesses people? Satan. That's that's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's got you on that one. So, Mario Satan. Yeah, um, I think I think it's obvious. But a- anyway, before we... Hey, be- speaking of Satan, I believe there was some legislation that came out. Oh, hang on, hang on. Before, before we go there, I have penance that I need to get out of the way while we're talking about religious things. Because I said some very mean things about Canada accidentally last week. And I want what? to... I want to. I, I misspoke. I, no, we don't, we no, don't need to go into it, Georgia. Wait, I'm repenting. Stop. What? No, no. I feel like we need to catch the listeners up. What did you say, Steve? <laughs> I, I, say, Steve? I referred to the Canadian wasteland that you were traversing, which is not to say that Canada was a wasteland, but I used the word wasteland in conjunction with Canada, and I apologize. And and to show penance, I want to celebrate a wonderful creation that Canada has bestowed upon the world, which is the ice cream burrito. Oh, that sounds good. So there is a place in Ontario that takes cotton candy, freezes it, flattens it out, stuffs ice cream into it, sprinkles it with unicorn dust, which I can only imagine is just harvested naturally in the plains of Canada from all the good spirits that are out there, and then rolls it up as a burrito and then cuts it in half and serves it. What? This thing looks incredible. Yes. I I, want this. Where uh, do I get it? Hang on. I will. in, In Ontario. So... That's, that's that's what so like, close. I'm totally getting this. Wait, I'm gonna look. Yeah. It up. So here, I, I just it's I put so it in. Pretty. I put it in the thing. Yeah. This so, this is looks better than a mochi. Have you guys ever had a mochi? No. Uh, <gasps> no. You guys have never had a mochi? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. No. Mochi. I don't think that's a word, Georgia. I think you're just. <laughs> I think America is in such of a toilet right now that you're just making up stuff like. Hey, up here in Canada, we got the mochi. Right. You, don't know about it. you don't have that either. Or healthcare. Oh, that sucks for you. They have both healthcare and cotton candy burritos. Is a rice, it's a, 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 a mushed rice outer coating um, with ice cream on the inside. And it's kind of sweetened with different flavors. And it's absolutely amazing because it's ju- chewy on the outside and ice cream on the inside. And it is amazing. They're amazing. also adorable. Now, are we talking about Refinery Twenty Nine? I'm just wanting to make sure. I, I, make put, sure I, I put the, the right I put the I put the link in the in the robot. So I can't look yet. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll put Ontario it Canada Dessert Shop Sugar Sugar has invented a cotton candy sugar burrito. Sugar Sugar in Ontario Canada in Sarnia, Ontario Canada. Okay, heading heading so there. there. You go. I'm gonna hey, go there. You I'm know okay. what Canada has that we don't? It's health care. <laughs> Right. So, right. so Brie, Brie, I, I know, I know, we want to move on, but I was wondering. Yeah? There was something that you mentioned you wanted to have happen this week, uh, and that thing was I, a what? an instant replay of the visit from Georgia Dow that took place last week. Okay. What? So, Georgia, you you actually did oh, visit God. us on the show last week, and we have a clip to play for you. 
Uh, that Steve was I is, in a Yeti costume? Yes, you were not. You, okay, yes. Steve says sure. yes. So there yes. you go. Whatever, whatever works for you, Georgia. Here, here. You, you just listen. You'll, you'll fill in the blanks. It uh, instills Micah, hope. Can you pretend to be Georgia for a second? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Micah, can you pretend Let's to be see. Georgia Let's for see. a second? And uh, we're also joined here by Georgia Dow. <laughs> <laughs> It's like she's in the room with us. <laughs> yeah, Georgia, that, that was really amazing. Good. Yeah, that was amazing. So that happened anyway. <laughs> that was great. We just wanted to front load as much as much happiness as we could before we start talking about horrible horrible things that are happening in in this country that you are not part of. So I had four hours of sleep last night. I had four hours of sleep last week. Before I shot that show. So, Georgia, I just, I want to let you know, Micah's the real problem. Uh, Micah. I've been saying that for years. Micah, you were innocent. Micah, Micah, right before, before he, the show started last week, he turned to me and he goes, Georgia, Dallas, Satan. So, I just want you to know, he's the real problem on our show. I, I, um, I, I'm not sure if I, I don't know. I don't know about believing that. It's, it's true. I, I definitely believe uh, in Micah being a problem. That's true. <laughs> it is, it's true. Yeah. That part's true. That's <laughs> true. Oh, Lord. Well, yes. What's more of a problem is uh, the thing that we are starting our show, uh, you know, some 10 minutes in talking about here, which is uh, the absolutely secret and absolutely kept from the people until finally it was revealed on Thursday, uh, the Senate Republican Better Care Reconciliation Act, which that is... That doesn't even sound good. <laughs> it, no, no, it's right? better like, care. Couldn't have found a better it's... sounding? That sounds like, like you know, reconciliation. It sounds like, like we've, we're going to hurt you. It's the BICRA, the Better Care Reconciliation Act. And what this is, is the Senate's, well, the GOP plan to replace the Affordable Care Act. Now, there are, of course, a crap ton of problems with this bill, which is part of the reason why it's been kept a secret. But uh, I'm going to read some some quick little tidbits here, and we're going to then break this out into a larger discussion just so you can kind of get an idea of the overall scope of this bill and what it's going to do. Uh, and we'll include a link to the in the show notes to a Vox explainer that has everything that you need to know for the, you know, the kind of uh, nitty gritty about this. Uh, the, the bill is going to phase out Medicaid in 2021, and it's going to cut the program's budget as well. It's also going to cut the rest of the public insurance program. It's also Mm -hmm. going to provide smaller subsidies for less generous health insurance plans with higher deductibles. So what does that mean? It means smaller subsidies. It means that the health insurance plans are going to be more crappy than they are now. And it also means that you're going to be paying more for each deductible that you have to pay. Now, the bill also seems to let states opt out of Obamacare's marketplaces, which of course is the Affordable Care Act, and essential health benefits requirements. Now, with that, those were different requirements made on the state level that said, Look, with healthcare, you have to provide access to this, 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 and this. And some of those were just basic human health needs and rights, including and not limited to mental health needs. Now, it's also going to cut taxes for the wealthy. Uh, in fact, that's so it's, nice of them. That's a really thoughtful thing because wealthy people have really been they've been paying too much. So I, I think have, that's a know. thoughtful thing to do, right, Bree? 
Uh, yeah, I think you can look at I think you can look at wealth inequality and look how you know just the 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 very poorest people have been getting more and more money over the last yeah. twenty years. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth, Georgia. Platform uh, number twenty two. Two two last things. Uh, the Senate bill is going to defund Planned Parenthood for one year. So all of the things that Planned Parenthood covers, which of course are not just uh, the hot button uh, discussion surrounding abortion, all of the things that Planned Parenthood takes care of are going to be cut for one year. And of course, there will be talks about how that goes in the future. And of course, it means that healthy, high-income folks are going to have better benefits or are going to have benefits just in general than non-healthy, low-income folks. And yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, it, it's, it's an absolute gutting of all of the progress that's been made in terms of getting more people in the United States health care and especially getting health care into the hands of the people who need it. Okay, okay. I have a lot to say about this. Uh, so here in Massachusetts, we are the state that started what is known as Obamacare. You know, it started as Romney Care here in our state. It was a Republican plan. It came from, I believe, the Heritage Foundation originally. So the idea behind Obamacare was it was a three-legged stool. So it would give um, it would get rid of pre-existing conditions, but the way that that has to happen is you have to bring lots of healthy people into the pool. Like we've all got to pay insurance, so like the most sick among us can get health care, or like the entire system falls apart. And then the third leg of the stool are subsidies from the federal government to kind of come and make you know, to basically fund it so the healthy people can get into the system and not pay too much, and then the sickest can get health care. So this is a three-legged stool that makes it work reasonably well here in Massachusetts. I mean, Steve, back me up. Our yeah. health care system here is really good, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so, been really good. since uh, It's improved significantly. I mean, it has it had its problems, but it was a big difference from before they before Romneycare went into effect, for sure. Right, right. So, you know, and this is a good example of how Republican ideas aren't always terrible. This one worked out fine. So this is what gets me, because I've been doing a lot of studying about this on my campaign. The Republicans, from the freaking word go, with Obamacare, they weakened one of those legs of the stools with the subsidies, the subsidies that took care of both the sickest people in the system and helping poorer people get it. So as a result of that, because they have deliberately tried to sabotage this law, you have insurance companies that are pulling out of the poorest markets. So, like, they're going around, they're, cl- they're claiming the Obamacare is broken because they freaking broke it. Like, the entire way it's supposed to work, they, like, broke one half of it, and now the stool is falling apart. So they bring out this plan, and Ezra Klein, who is a much more measured, calm person than I am, has this is his headline today on Vox. Like, this bill is just simply poor people paying a lot, a lot more for much worse coverage. And the 1% of the 1% like getting a break. I have to tell you, Frank and I do pretty well. I'm not even sure we would get any benefits from this. So it's, it's just, it is so beyond indefensible. And it's not an exaggeration to say, 
I know people that will, will die if this bill goes through because they will not be able to afford life-saving coverage. And, you know, I got yelled at today on Twitter for getting upset about this and feeling passionate about it. You know what? This is the time to get upset. When people are going to die, when disabled people are being dragged out of Senate leader Mitch McConnell's uh, ha- like hallway and blood is splattering the floor because they are trying to get their voices heard about how they're going to die from this bill, things are really fracked up, guys. And I am, I am so angry about this coverage. Like, even if you are not suffering from a condition that is life or death right but you have anything right like i i i have add two of my two of my kids have add we all take medicine for that right there there's going to be a cap on on coverage on lifetime cap on coverage the clock's already ticking on my kids at you know at preteen ages that we're getting x amount covered from their medication on a monthly basis that's eating into that on a, a you know, already. And, you know, when are they going to run up against that? And then what happens if, you know, they, they get diagnosed with something more serious or they get into a car accident or, or, or anything like that? Like they've already used up a lot of that, a lot of that money by the time that they get there. It's, it's so heartbreaking. And so we, I sat in my lunchroom today and yesterday and the day before. And so um, with all the doctors and we're all watching the um, debate on healthcare and what's happening in the States because as healthcare professionals, we know how important it is um, to be able to have, you know, free healthcare for everyone. And um, yes, it's socialistic <laughs> that uh, some that can afford help pay for those that cannot. But that's how, um, you know, all the links in the chain are made, that the, the weakest links are the ones that need the most protection to that. And then if we all help make all the chains strong, then you have a really strong country. And it's, it's sad. I saw all of the other um, doctors and they were just really distressed by this. I myself have had my son going for tests. Uh, he had a lump and we didn't know what it was. And so we went for this test and that test. And to think that if I did not live here that, and I didn't have health care that was covered or it may be lost, that I might have to decide about my child's self- safety and the that I would have to, you know, research how dangerous this is and is it worth the amount of money that I'm going to have to give out to be able to make sure that he's safe. It breaks my heart. And to think about people having to go through that is, um, it really is a heinous crime crime, and yeah. on those that need the most protection to that. Can, can I say something about what you just said, Georgia, about mm-hmm. it being socialistic? You know, there was a fantastic article uh, out about, uh, it was two weeks ago, and it was a statistical analysis of countries like Canada that subscribe to those kind of quote-unquote socialistic policies. And guess what? They lead to more money. They lead mm-hmm. to everybody making more money. Those policies are great business. If you believe in a capitalistic system, you should be all in on the kind of policies like uh, you know Canada's healthcare system. And the thing that really pisses me off here is it doesn't even save us money because what ends up happening is when people go without insurance, then they get into these catastrophic situations where it's the very, very most expensive way to treat problems, and they're just going to die. So it's cruel. It's more expensive. 
People are literally going to die. You've got trans kids out there right now that can't get an education. They're looking at having, like, coverage dropped. And it's just freaking inhuman, you guys. Like, I just, I am so angry about this. And something has to happen here. So, you know, like, for my congressional campaign, I'm all in on single-payer health care. I just want to expand Medicare to everybody and be done with it. Uh, you know, Medicare can negotiate with block grants. So if we're buying, like, a knee replacement, we just negotiate for a bulk rate on that, and we end up paying a lot less. It's, you know, stuff has got to change here. So <clears throat> I'm going to share something uh, a little personal here um, because – I, I think I don't know. I think that those those stories can sometimes help provide a little bit of uh, context, and uh, and I'll just get into it. Um, so my my mom, she had me when she was sixteen years old. She had me when she was really really young, uh, and I because of that. You know, she and I have obviously spent a lot of time together on this planet, and um, we have a very close bond. And seeing, you know, after I moved out, after I went to to college, after I got a job and and moved into a place uh, professionally where I was able to get insurance through work and things like that, uh to this day, my mom and several members of my family have not ever had the possibility of having health insurance that came from, you know, from work or, or anything like that. And so it is a regular occurrence for my family members to have to make the decision, do I go to the doctor when I'm feeling really, really bad and end up with thousands upon thousands of dollars of bills? Or do I just hope that whatever is affecting me right now doesn't kill me? And this is something that I've seen happen time and time again with my mom and with other members of my family. And, you know, it doesn't just stop at that. It's dental as well. Do I deal with this toothache for the rest of my life or do I go to the dentist and get this taken care of and, again, have thousands upon thousands of dollars of bills? And living life having to suffer because you are unable to survive for things that should be just basic requirements for, for humans that like that, that humans just sh- to, to live on this planet. Like we should be given these things and we don't have that. And, you know, we got closer to that and now we're moving so far away from that again. And it's, it's, it's really tough because I mean, even, even in the affordable healthcare act, uh, it was a struggle for my mom. And now that only gets worse and, you know, that then that starts to spread out to other members of my family who maybe were in a higher bracket where they could afford it uh, under ACA and now they can't afford it under this new plan. And that it, it's it's so frustrating. And to know that there are so many people out there who are going through that exact same thing, who are literally, you know, lying there thinking, 
I might die tonight because of whatever pain it is that I'm feeling, but I know if I go to the doctor, then I, or if I do die, then my family is going to have to cover these bills. In what world is that okay? Like, why is that an okay thing? And, and like, the people don't see that that is, that's wrong, that, you know, that anyone should have to experience that. It's so frustrating and it's, it's, it's hurtful. And that's where it's hard for me, you know, Georgia, we, we talk about having empathy and, and trying to understand kind of where other people come from. Those are the times where like my blind upsetness, <laughs> not rage quite, but my, you know, just, just the, the inner core of me, like can't do the, the empathy thing. And it's just like, how can you not see that we should just be able to help people? And uh, I'm going to take it one step further to talk about, I was uh, just on a different podcast on the Twit Network and we were talking about, um, government assistance for food and growing up, my mom is a single mother with four kids. Uh, she, went through a period of time where she was getting government assistant for food and it was so helpful for her and for all of us. And I, you know, I'm thankful that we had that opportunity, but you know, there was somebody who thought that it was, you know, you, you shouldn't have a Netflix subscription and you shouldn't be able to use Amazon prime because the story was about Amazon prime working for people who had government assistance and you shouldn't have this and you shouldn't have that. If you are using uh, welfare, because obviously that means you're not below some line. And like I know that mindset exists out there because I have I have been around people who have that mindset and think that you should pull yourself up from your bootstraps in every single situation. But like, when do we like stop thinking that people are people, that humans are humans, and we start looking at others and saying you don't deserve this because it's it, it's it's heartbreaking and it saps well, yeah, the humanity. I think that's yeah, I think that's really it, Micah. What's the point where this is too far? And, you know, this whole weekend, I didn't talk to you guys about this. This entire weekend, I was at the Emerge program, which is this nationwide training program for women uh, planning to run for office in the Democratic Party. And I got to tell you, it was 10 women there made of absolute steel, lawyers, people that had served on school boards their whole lives, and we had just been pushed far enough. So, Micah, you're asking, like, what we do from here it's simple. Telling these appealing to these people's humanity doesn't work because they love these policies. They like policies that target minorities, that target LGBT people, that target people of color because they just they like that cruelty because it makes them feel better than someone. So the only way this stops is when we stop it. And what that means is you can't get discouraged. Help is coming in 2018, but it's going to take action on your part. You need to find someone in your town that's running against a Republican if you've got them there. Support them. I hope like you'll support my campaign for Congress. You can go to uh, supportbriana.com. I hope you'll run for office yourself. But like talking about this isn't helping. Tweeting about this isn't helping. Writing articles about this isn't helping. We have got to simply get more political power than they do. And just the last thing I'm going to say on this, Steve, I want you to put a link in the show notes to uh, – it's a picture I took at my training this weekend that shows what the trend is for Democrats since 2010. And I have to tell you guys, it is a terrifying picture because it shows how 
we have just been hammered. And we have fewer and fewer state legislatures and fewer and fewer senates that we have control of and fewer and fewer governorships. And we've lost the presidency and we've lost the Supreme Court and and we've lost the House. Our party is completely failing. We are not succeeding at what we're trying to do. And something has got to change. And that's why we've all got to get out there and stay active. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Sorry, I'm pissed, guys. No, I think it's really well said. Take take it in your own hands. Don't wait till someone else does something. Do something about it. (sighs) Because it's true. If no one says anything, this goes unheard. You don't do anything. You can't can't expect that someone else is going to deal with this. You know, you have to go out and do something about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I was, you know, not super plugged into news this week, but I was following some of the reporting after the special election in Georgia where um one of the the deep Republican seats was up was up for grabs and the 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 kind of internal sniping after is it John Ossoff? Is that is that his name? Um Ossoff, yeah. Yeah, that mm-hmm. after he lost that that seat was just instead of, you know, looking at it at a district that was so heavily Republican in saying that it, you know, it came, it was actually a close race. And what can you learn from this? And what can you learn from this to be able to take, you know, to maybe, maybe be able to swing some districts that aren't quite as deep Republican and be able to appeal to those people. It's well, we lost and, and everything sucks. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not productive either. It's like, you, you can't look at, it's like you, you went from, nothing to trying to run a marathon and you passed out at mile 10. Well, but you still made it to mile 10 and you can learn what you did and learn how to do better when it counts or not, not that this didn't count, but you know, it's one seat as opposed to the entire house. And and it's just like the defeatism that you see on a fairly regular basis is just, it's that it's worse than anything. I feel so a lot of the time. I, I have to disagree with you here, Steve. And I agree with your assessment of this particular race, But both parties sunk, what was it, $50 million into that race. And I want to tell you guys, like, I think my feminist feelers go up when we start talking about targeting a powerful woman when something goes wrong. And, you know, it's very notable to me that, you know, yesterday after that happened, we're talking about Nancy Pelosi and not Chuck Schumer. I my my feminist feelers go up on that. But at the same time, Steve, I think you have to be honest and you have to say, like, we're we're software engineers. Like, what is the outcome? What is happening? Let's look at the data. Are we winning? Is our strategy working? No, we're we're failing. And something has to be accountable. And I don't think just you know, taking Tom Perez and making him in charge of the DNC, I don't think that's enough. Now, is the answer to get rid of Nancy Pelosi? I don't think so. I think, like, you know, our problems are much bigger than her. But we need really big answers. And I am very disturbed when I see so many of the Democrats defending the status quo in our party when the status quo is failing. Um. But did, did you fail because of the failure of the Democratic Party? Or are you failing because of hacked election machines? 
Well, we are failing because of gerrymandered districts and voter suppression. You're dead because on. Because all of your yeah. all election machines, which run on massively old software, easily hackable to anyone that's like you know a moderate hacker, um, instead of going back to paper ballots, like we have, we have electronic voting machines, but the paper ballots one supersede that, and we look through them, and you have yeah. one person from each party that is there to oversee the counting, the nixing, and the looking at every single battle, a ballot. And that's for every single voting station. And I'm sorry, but I, I completely, you know, I, I think that looking at the Democratic Party is one thing, but I think that protecting the machines of which um, check out your deal with the voting in the first place has to happen. I, I agree with your point, and I think gerrymandered districts are a much bigger variable than what you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Georgia, we're literally putting out a campaign commercial this week on what you just said, so I'm right there with you. But here's the fact with that. These districts were gerrymandered because mm-hmm. the Democratic Party failed to block it. Can you explain to, to people that might not know, Bree, what gerrymandering is? Sure. So basically after the census, we appropriate uh, who votes where, and basically the Republicans got control and drew these districts in ways that guaranteed they would win. Uh, federal judges came out and said that uh, voting districts should be you know, congruous and representative of the communities within them, and the Republicans got there and just like pieced it up like a scalpel, like chopping out pieces all over the nation so they win mm-hmm. every time. But the and reason they look that happened, absolutely yeah. horrific. They're like puzzle pieces looking kind of things. This is not they, like Right. Yeah. But but at the same time, Georgia, that happened because the Democrats didn't stop it. And the Democratic mm-hmm. Party is still the operation that has to turn this around. So I I agree with you. Those are the variables, but we're still the team on the field that has to stop it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I guess yeah. I'll yeah, I'll add to that that there the the actual machines are a problem, but they're not the only problem. First, first of all, the pro- one of the problems with the with the electronic voting machines is that there's not a standard uh, implementation of it, and you're leaving things up to the states where they're going to they have limited budgets, and they may not be. Uh, willing to pay for things like, uh, you know, the enhanced security or those features that need to go into it in all cases. There's a lot of disparity among different voting machines in different states. And and the voting machines are not the only thing that's vulnerable. There are a lot of the uh, the reporting that's come out this week, uh, in, in addition to that ridiculous RNC data breach, where they had data on every single registered voter and left it up on a completely unsecured AWS instance, which is just mind-boggling as somebody who works with data for a living. But the, the a lot of the hacking that's been happening has been targeting the voter registration databases, not the actual hacking the, – the actual um, voting machines themselves. So you know, doing things like removing people from – from voting rolls or, you know, putting things in that will make them make their votes be questioned or thrown out if they're if they're early voting, things like that. Those are other things that just aren't mm-hmm. being addressed because we don't have a, a culture of taking cybersecurity seriously, especially in government, where everything's looked at as a cost. And it's this is not something that is immediately obvious what the what the downside is if you let this kind of thing go until it's too late. 
Yeah. Um, You know, I I think last thing, we'll close this out. But, uh, you know, I've been talking a lot about this. And, you know, Steve, you're dead on. Without voting systems, we don't have a democracy. We just don't. And the truth is, like, our politicians have not taken this seriously. And it's a mess. And, you know, if you... I mean, I'm going to Black Hat. Uh, I was invited to Black Hat today to talk to people about cybersecurity and how the frack we start fixing this. So, yeah, again, like, it's not enough to get angry. Like, Steve, I hope you're out there donating to people. You know, Micah, I hope you're donating time if you can. Georgia, you can't donate because it's a federal crime, but I hope you will. <laughs> you will. You will. But donate anyway. Can she, no, can, no, she, no. can she make donations in the form of Nerf paraphernalia? No, no, no. That would be a personal. Don't get me in trouble. That would be a personal <laughs> gift, and I believe because it's under one hundred and fifty dollars, it would not have to be reported as in kind. But if you're not Canadian, <laughs> did I buy your to, vote, Bree? Is that what you, you did not? I, I don't oh. expect to have particularly pro or anti Canada policies. Like, <laughs> I don't. I, I honestly haven't thought about my Canada policy yet. But but seriously, oh, guys. Like, um, please, 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 like support politicians that you believe in. It's really important. Awesome. Uh, We need to go ahead and move on. But before we do, I want to tell you all about our friends at Indeed Prime. This episode is sponsored by those friends I just mentioned at Indeed Prime. Indeed Prime helps software engineers land their dream job. Candidates get immediate exposure to the best tech companies with just one simple application to Indeed Prime. Companies on Prime's exclusive platform message candidates with salary and equity up front and the average salary offer for software engineers engineers is $125,000. Indeed Prime is 100% free for candidates. 100% free with no strings attached. Invite your friends to Indeed Prime and we'll give you $200 when they get contacted by a company and $2,000 when they accept a job through Prime. Start referring now at indeed.com slash prime slash referral. One more time, that's indeed.com slash prime slash referral. Our thanks to Indeed Prime for sponsoring this episode of Disruption and all of Relay. Now Decepticons, roll out. <laughs> it's Disrupticons, well, we to- Georgia. Sorry, sorry. We have to roll into the Star Trek universe, Georgia Dow, because you've been wanting to talk about the VR game that's called, and it escapes me, oh, Star Trek Bridge Crew, which I just, I'm so jealous of everybody with a VR system. Tell us all about Star Trek Bridge Crew. So Star Trek Bridge Crew is a game where um, you play with other people in virtual reality and you get to choose to be um, one of four players on the deck, which is really pretty cool. So you can be um, engineer, you can be the captain, uh, you can be tactics, which is like totally mine, or you can drive the ship. And the, the cool thing is it's a really interesting idea to it. Like you're all actually on the deck. You're going through all different types of simulations of things that are happening. And you have to work as a team, which is kind of cool. Um, Bree, did you get to play it? Oh, no. I was trying to oh. save the United States. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing your own Star Trek experience. Right. I was doing a diplomatic mission. Right, which is very, very valid. Um, So the the cool part about it 
is that like you're sitting there and you're like, I, I'm usually tactics. I just like like shooting things down. And you have I to had to guess that about you, Georgia. I was going to say, sounds on brand for sure. <laughs> Nothing shocking there. Um, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Like it's kind of cool. You get to to deal with various missions. Um, you get points that end up letting you uh, level up, and you're just chatting with other people while you do things. Now that's the good part to it. the The negative part to this is that I do find it a little bit slow. And my husband absolutely loves it. Like, he loves this game. Um, But I find it a little bit like, mm, like, you know, I'm going there, I'm shooting stuff down, but it's not fast enough for me. And, you know, it's cute. We go through, like, everyone that's playing are all Trekkies, right? So they're like, you know, make it so, and, you know, um, Earl Grey hot. Like, it's just it's kind of cute. People are, like, engaged, and they're shooting it, and I'm I'm doing my best uh, Jane way. Um, five phases. It's all that I can say. I tried other lines. It just doesn't work out. And it's good, but it is a little bit of a slow game. So it's not, I play it for my hubby, but, um, meh, it's good. Oh, no. wow. No. Uh, it's, but that might just be me. Like, I don't not like it. I enjoy it. It's a game we play, you know, every, you know, few days, but I'm not okay. like dying to play it. Okay, but just, tell me this. Do I get to be on the Starship Voyager or am I on one of those other stupid starships? Like, they give me the right starship, right? No, you're... You oh! Start off. <laughs> um, no, I forget which ship it is that we start off on. Um, you get on the Enterprise eventually, though, don't you? After yeah, you, there's like, an Enterprise something? there that you'll get to play, but there's no... There's none of... The, the Voyager ship is not there. Not oh. yet. Uh, so let me just say, if I made you a cake and, you know, I took the, I, the don't laugh. I used to make, I used to decorate cakes. A real cake um, or, a rep, or through, through a replicator? Uh, no, like this is real life. If I, if I real life made Georgia Dow a cake, I sat it down in front of her and she tasted it. And then I said, what did you think? And she's like, I didn't not like it. <laughs> That's going to break my soul in half. So clearly, you don't really like this game. I well, I, I, I honestly, I, don't I can't not say that. Like I, it. It's not that I. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun game. I don't find it an exceptionally fun game. I hmm. enjoy playing it. It's um, slower paced than what I'm used to. Uh, the ship is the uh, USS Aegis. So it's from the um, movies, basically. Yeah, it's from the Star Trek universe. I I forget that I at one point actually read up on it, but it's so it's interesting. It's fun. Um, am I dying to play it? No. Um, you can play on the original bridge, also of the Enterprise, um, which is cool. And uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. You get to make your own avatar of your person, but they're not really that creative, and it's really either Vulcan <laughs> or human. Right now, so what? I'm like, I can't be a Borg. I would have totally been Frankie and been really annoying, and I'm I'm really yes. sad that I can't be that. And to- Borg is absolutely awesome as well. But you can't, you can't be a Borg. Ah, yeah. no, no. Um, so what the frack? <laughs> uh, so, question for you: you 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 talk to these people, right? Everybody who you're with, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, how have you run into any situations of abuse or like oh goodness why am I playing with this terrible person or anything like that? Has it been okay? Has it you know ha- have you been in uncomfortable situations? Because like we talked about how VR is really one of those places where the kind of um, long lasting effects of of harassment on this platform can end up you know sticking with you longer maybe than in other cases so i'm just curious if yeah. you had any of those situations so um i'll i'll give you the the two interesting scenarios so i made my character um as um aesthetically unpleasing as possible um as a vulcan and uh i did have at one point some people go whoa uh look at that and i was kind of like chuckled at um which, you know, it was really just short. I didn't feel that it was like harassment or, or really bothersome to that. And um, I was kind of going on a, a really, you know, Vulcany Vulcan kind of look. Um, and there was one video you can watch online of a child getting on the bridge crew together with them. And everyone kind of hears that the person's like, I don't know, six or seven. And they're like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And like, they were alone for that. But Aww. I haven't had anyone... Uh, giving harassment um, on this. And I don't know if that's just, you know, Trekkies are kinder people or it's just I have not yet experienced that. You can make friends once you've played with people that, you know, you enjoy the experience with and they're really kind and and enjoyable. Um, and so far I've met really nice people that if I make a mistake or I do something that kind of blows an entire mission, they haven't been upset or frustrating. Like people play this because of the experience. It's not one of those things where there's people that are trying to blast many people as quickly as possible and level up as fast as they can. So I think that it also has a certain type of player that is playing this that enjoys the experience, enjoys Star Trek, doesn't mind playing a slower game where you're building relationships versus um, trying to get as many internet points as possible. See, all you need to do is introduce a ranked mode to that, and that'll that'll blow that right out of the water real quick. Oh, yeah. It, it really yeah. could, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. okay. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, in, in maybe three or so weeks when, when Brie has finally had a chance to play it, and then she comes on, and she, like, slams things to the ground, and she's like, Georgia Dow, you were so wrong about Bridge Crew. It's <laughs> the greatest game ever. I, there's no Voyager. So, I, really I don't have care. big hopes yeah. for the, the game, so I hope everyone else – it has a good rating, by the way. It's like 77%. It rates in the 70s. It's all uh, nostalgia. High to mid-70s. So it does rate well. Um, it's like Nintendo people give it a pass sometimes because they just, you know, they have those childhood feels that stick with them. Do I at least get to drive Harry Mudship at some point? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played that mission yet, but maybe he could be there. Fly half naked Orion girls, like in the cockpit with me. Is that, that... it's hilarious actually, because, um, uh, we did do the, uh, whenever we would get hit, we would tell everyone, okay, now uh, lean left, lean right, lean left. So we were doing that, which was kind of funny. And uh, yeah, we were like, there's some strange like movements that like, you know, your hands make sometimes and stuff like that. So we were just trying to freak each other out, uh, trying to creep around the the, uh, the area because you're pretty much seated for the entire experience. So I put a chair in the middle of my VR room, uh, but some people stand and you can walk around a little bit. So you know, there's some cute parts. 
Uh, okay. Well, yes, we'll definitely have to fo- follow up with some other thoughts on that when uh, Steve and I when finally get into the VR space and yeah. when Bree says that it's actually the greatest game or when they decide to add in some some new features that make it better. But uh, we should definitely, we've been promising uh, having some some listener questions on the show. And now Georgia Dow is back, so we've got the full crew here. So why don't we dig in and answer a few questions from the list? Okay, so why don't we just take one and then we'll we'll save some more for, for next week because we went a little bit long on the other topics. But um okay, so we have a question. I guess let's let's take this one from um from Evelyn. Um so uh she says my name is Evelyn. I'm a halfway uncloseted trans girl I, I, I'm writing to you because I want to thank Brie. Um, when I feel like my identity is invalid, I can imagine you yelling at me for my, in my, in my best Brie voice, internalized fracking transphobia to give myself an extra yeah. kick to keep going. Um, now that I've thanked Brie, I have a question that's especially directed at Brie and Steve. Having just graduated from high school, I'm going into my second summer of working full-time on software. I'm incredibly lucky to have this opportunity, and I feel fulfilled spending every day solving technical problems. However, I find that I have to just constantly exhaust myself just to be a quarter as productive as the more experienced programmers on my team, skipping lunches and never giving my brain a rest. After a day of work, I even have trouble making tea because after pouring water into a cup, I forget what I'm doing while getting a tea, tea bag from the cabinet. I know I shouldn't expect to be as fast as the others on my team after just a few months but my question is is it normal to have to work so hard to keep up i'm a little worried because as an eve i'm expected to become a prolific hacker according to every security textbook (laughs) so well let me let me start at the top here um i love your name i absolutely love your name um you know one of the most difficult things that happened in my whole life is i had a, a friend of mine evelyn uh, that was here in Boston. Um, she committed suicide. Um, it, my voice is shaking and my hands are shaking right now thinking about her. It was one of the, the hardest events of my whole life. And, you know, she was trans, and uh, I'll never forget the last thing she ever said to me. It's, uh, I can't accept a life without dignity. Um, mm. So, you know, I guess I would say this you know, there's a phenomenon in healthcare where a trans person goes to get healthcare and like the doctor, they could have a broken arm and the doctor would still blame like them being trans on that. But as far as like being in college and being closeted and trying to get through a degree, I mean, Micah, back me up here. Being closeted is a <sighs> huge tax on you. I mean, it's like it's eating up 30% of your background processes all the time. You're constantly monitoring yourself and making sure that, yep. Yeah, absolutely. As a trans person, that's going to be even worse for you. Uh, I think if you talk to trans friends, what they're going to tell you is you're not even going to have your brain operating in a way that feels right to you before you get on HRT. So, you know, I don't want to say that's everything going on with your school, but I would just ask you to cut yourself a break with that because, like, it's it's going to be a lot to go through until you, know, you take care of that. Yeah, I'm not trying to pressure you. You come out when it's right for you. Um, but I would say there is no... You know, everybody that goes into CS isn't Mr. Robot. (laughs) You know, like, it takes some of us a while to get it. And there are all kinds of engineers and there are all kinds of strengths. You may have just not found your specialty yet. So I'd say just cut yourself a break for 8 million reasons. I mean, Steve, do you agree with that? Yeah, I I think that it might be important to... 
make sure that you're level setting your expectations of yourself with your your team leads expectations of you too um like i know when i have brought on junior developers i was generally pretty happy when i could just let them do a task without supervision like that was that was like my bar for the beginning of it right like uh, it's it's a matter of it, you know programming is hard and it does take a lot of effort sometimes to to get the hang of certain software especially if you're dealing with other people's code which you usually are as a junior dev and other people's code is pretty much a special kind of hell so you know that may also be part of the problem there might be other things that are going on it, it it's probably not just you and and even if it is you you definitely need to give yourself a break i would say that part of the problem is that you're kind you may be compounding it by not giving yourself a chance to recharge learning um programming in a in a professional environment is a difficult thing to begin with and it's more difficult when you don't let yourself recharge and are not coming at it you know with 100% energy so if you're struggling that much, it, that that may actually be compounding the problem to some extent. I mean, what I hear is that you have not only the weight that you're dealing with involving the weight on your shoulders that you're dealing with being being partially closeted as you as you describe it. That that is such a a deep and uh, everlasting weight that exists. That's, that's, that's something that, you know, you, you're, you're having to, to work through. So you have that and then you have what it sounds like. I mean, you're talking about wanting to become a prolific hacker because that's what you're expected to. So you clearly hold high expectations for yourself, which is a whole nother weight. And then also the fact that, you know, you're working with other, other people who you say that, you know, you'd like to be as productive as they are. You, have a lot of pressure and a lot of, of what sounds like exhausting pressure. And so you, I mean, yeah, everyone else here is talking about how you need to cut your, cut yourself some slack and, and give yourself a break. And I'm just further advocating that because when you start to look around and you see all of these things that weigh on you and how those things can kind of influence the energy that you have at the end, you're working with a subset of the energy that other people are working with already. And you're taking that energy and you're doing everything you possibly can with it. And so it's no surprise that at the end of the day or after a day of work, you feel so exhausted. So my my thing to encourage you is to uh, try to find uh, try to find self-care. And I know that, you know, people groan it, groan at that term, but honestly, it's important that you find a, a space where you feel incredibly at ease and you feel comfortable and you feel relaxed and find something that can be a period of time to take your mind off of everything. And while you're doing that, do try to cut yourself some slack whenever it comes to your professional life there, because it sounds like you're already enough of a, an overachiever from what you're saying here that um, you don't have much to worry about in terms of making sure you're doing what needs to get done. Georgia, last thoughts? Oh, I think that everyone has said like such beautiful suggestions to that, um, taking care of yourself. Um, being true to who you are, um, working with making sure that the people that surround you are people that you really trust and that you care about, and getting rid of the people that don't make you feel good about yourself. Uh, it's like some people, unfortunately, some relationships are a net loss, and you want to take a look at that and keep on being true to yourself. And thank you for having the courage to be able to um, send this question to us, and hopefully that will also 
help others. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. no one will mess with you if you buy a Nerf Nemesis. So that's, <laughs> that is that's a very good number point. One that, is, that is a really good point. Yeah. Is Frank okay? Because <laughs> I haven't heard from Frank since. Okay, I will tell us. I know you got to go, Georgia. So I will tell a story really quickly. <laughs> Last night, I, I, I. So I have like a small Snorlax, and then we've got our giant beanbag Snorlax, right? Yeah. So, so Frank and I play this game where we each have Nerf guns, and we play hostage across the house, and the goal is to shoot the other person. If they get shot, they go to the base, and they have to count down, and you have to exfiltrate the hostages from their base. So I'm like, okay, Frank, here. You can either have to sn- like get the big Snorlax, and have the Nerf Nemesis, or your target can be, like, you have to pick one of the two, right? So pistol and small Snorlax, or Nemesis and big Snorlax. And Frank is like, give me the Nemesis. And I got to tell you, it's not even a fair game. Like, it's just (laughs) not. Like, you just poke out, and he just charges, and you're shot, and you're dead, and it's over. And then he does it again. And then he does it again. This is a game-breaking weapon and there's just no way any other nerf gun holds up to it and i've tried how much does it hurt brie a lot (laughs) a lot you're not shooting poor snorlax are you because i i don't know that i could go be on board with that well the problem is and steve i know you can understand this Games have taught me to always go for the headshot. Like House oh of the Lord. Dead trains oh you God. to instinctively go for the headshot. So I have shot Frank in the head thousands of times by accident. But now he doesn't just get I love shot you said once. By accident. He's not, he's not <laughs> using Snorlax as a Pokemon shield, is he? He tried. Oh, no. But the thing no. is, when you have so much ammo, it just goes right around it. So, uh. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, can, it hurts. I haven't gotten shot in the face yet, like Frank, but uh, Frank. shot in the butt. Well, I hope not, because you might bruise, and you're on camera a lot now, so <laughs> yeah, you don't want to look that's, all welted. Yeah. That's a bad Not the bad face, idea. not the face. <laughs> well, uh, we should round things out. Uh, we, we have lots more questions uh, waiting for us, and if you would like to join the party, you can get in touch by calling us at 508 508- Four one eight three five three two, where you can leave a voicemail. We'd love it if you left a voicemail. Haven't had one of those in a while. Maybe uh, another Charles game or something. Uh, you can also tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me, or send us a direct message if you'd rather keep things private. Now, in any case, please let us know if we can use your name on the show. Otherwise, we will default to anonymous. If you're looking for the show notes, you can check the app that you're listening to right now, or you can go to relay.fm slash disruption, where we'll have links and the photo that Bree mentioned. Uh, if you're looking for me online, you can find me at Micah Sargent or at chihuahua.coffee. If you're looking for Steve online, Steve, where can people find you? Well, you can find me Googling to find out what the Pokemon equivalent of Amnesty International is after after the story. <laughs> and, uh, and, or you can find me on Twitter at WickedGood. And Brie, if people are looking for you online or looking to support you, where can they find you? Well, you know, my campaign is going to have some uh, commercials coming up this next week on net neutrality and other issues. And one of the things we learned in my uh, candidate training class this week is it sucks raising money for a political campaign, but you've got to do it. And you have to give an ass. So, you know, disruption listeners, if you're out there, I would deeply appreciate it if you would support my campaign, you know, 20, 30, 50, 
dollars, it would just be unbelievably helpful. And you can do all of that by going to supportbrianna.com. Awesome. And Georgia Dow, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. And you can check out if you're dealing with anxiety or sleep issues, uh, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. What about, what about anxiety over not having health care? Can you help with that? That's actually, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's just a true one. <laughs> what about anxiety about uh, jury-rigged uh, sound recording setups? Ooh, I'm sorry, Steve. I can't help you. That's I might make that you, worse. Have you registered SkypeAnxietyVideos.com yet? Or <laughs> look, my my URL fund is running low. Uh, but next time, maybe. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, all that's left is for Steve to say that thing that he says every week when he's with us. Steve, please do take us out of here. Pokemon are people too.